0: yeah, morning, fellas. Uh, Ronnie said it. My name is Mason. I'm up here with Sam Reeder, Chris Burke. If you're new to Man Challenge, we won't do this kind of group teaching a lot. If you've been around Man Challenge for a minute, you're maybe sick of us three chatting to you all as we talk through Scripture together. But today we're starting a series in the book of Ephesians here at Southeast as a church on Sunday mornings. We're working our way through Ephesians right now, and Ronnie said it. We we do some teaching time in Scripture, and then we go to tables and process God's Word uh, amongst the men at our table. And so our, our goal this morning is to tee up conversation for you guys. But uh, we're in the book of Ephesians, Sam Wise. Give us a snapshot of what the, the book of Ephesians is and while, why while Sam fills you in on that a little bit. I'd say go ahead and open up your Bible or your Bible apps to the book of Ephesians. We'll be in in chapter 1 today. It's toward the end, um, maybe three-quarters of the way through. Actually, probably a little bit further than that. But find the book of Ephesians while Sam tells us what is the letter to the Ephesians.
1: Sure. Uh, Good morning, guys. Uh, So as we look at the book of the Ephesians, a quick thing just to kind of work through is who wrote it. So there was a guy named Paul who was a Jewish leader, a Pharisee in the early first century, uh, and he had an encounter with Jesus that changed everything for him. So he became a missionary. He started setting up churches all along the Mediterranean and all these different towns, and eventually he gets arrested. And while he's in prison, he starts writing letters to and from those churches. So this is one of those letters that he's writing to the church in Ephesus. This is called the Ephesians. Uh, And so as he's writing this, a big big piece of this letter is he's reminding them of their identity as followers in Jesus. So if, if you have one of these participant guides, you'll see week one uh, in this first series is titled Identity Crisis. So that's really where we're going to try to hone in for the first few weeks looking at that. And so while it is very much a historical document, it's a letter written from a follower of Jesus to a group of followers of Jesus, it's also simultaneously the Word of God. So we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God that the Holy Spirit guided Paul as his hand wrote this letter. And so while it did have specific meaning at that time, it also has a timeless value for all followers of Jesus to better know the God who inspired it. So as we go to this word over the next few weeks, I would encourage you to reference that kind of summary page in your handout uh, because it's a good reference. Uh, and also to keep in mind that we are really trying to look at our identity the next few weeks. That's great. Um, <clears throat> Burke, I'm going to ask you to read this morning's passage. Yeah. But before you
0: do, okay. as you all read along with us, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3-14, to 14, um, I want you to kind of put on the lens, look for the words in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved One, and just kind of mark how many times that, that pops up in this passage as Burke reads it for Kay. us.
2: Uh, Ephesians three through fourteen. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him. who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory.
0: Thank you. Uh, one sentence. Yeah. That feel like a lot. <laughs> that, that passage there, which is you know, 12 verses in our Bible, and there's commas and periods and lots of punctuation. In the Greek, which the New Testament was originally written in Greek, in the Greek, that is one long run-on sentence. So this is Paul popping into these people that he loves and just spouting off, okay? And so we're going to take some time to really kind of break down the passage together. You know, this big run-on long sentence, what is Paul getting after? What is the Spirit trying to teach us 2,000 years later? I think verse 3 sort of tees up the entirety of this passage. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So I said, be looking for that term in Christ or in Him, uh, for He chose us in Him. Um, this passage, what we're going to study today, learn today, are some of, this is not an exhaustive list, but this is some of the blessings that Paul is talking about for those who, have, uh, who are in Christ. So the blessings from God that are given to those in Christ. This is what we're going to learn today. What do we have? If you are in Christ, what is offered to us in Him But, Burke, before we jump into those blessings, Mm -hmm. what's that mean? What does it mean to be in Christ or in Him?
2: Yeah, so just, you know, kind of the Gospel 101, right? The forgiveness of our sins through the death of Jesus on the cross. Um, You know, the the identity that we um, have taken on through the fact that God loved us so much that He sent His Son, uh, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross knowingly and willfully, so that uh, we could be made right through his blood uh, with Jesus and, I mean, with God. And through his resurrection, we have the hope of eternity, Um, and that's kind of John 3.16 wrapped up. But he has more for us than just this hope of eternity. One day we will uh, enter the pearly gates. He has abundant life today us, John 10.10. 10. Mm. Um, you know, Jesus came that we would have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. And so to be in Christ means that we've accepted the sacrifice of the Lamb. Uh, His blood uh, makes us right with God. Mm. And uh, our identity and thus our behavior flows from that. Um, and we have the hope, the hope of the world, uh, the gospel, the good news uh, that we can, uh, that we are forgiven, that we are loved by God, Um, and that one day we will dwell with Him forever. Uh, And that hope hopefully gives us that abundance that Jesus offers us today,
0: not just some distant gift off of the future whenever our number gets called. And I like that you kind of highlighted two parts there. Because to be in Christ, in short, is to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that He died for our sins and uh, was risen from the dead and that we get to take part in that new life. But it's not just printing off tickets to heaven. And that's really what we're diving into today, is what are the blessings right now, today, for mm-hmm. me walking on this earth if I am a believer in Christ? And so if you're not a believer, I'd say, have a peek. This is what you have access to. Mm-hmm. or were you to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you are, this is what you get to walk in, fellas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say...
2: And can I just say, if you're not mm-hmm. a believer, like, none of it matters if Jesus didn't actually walk out of the tomb. And so, you know, a question to ask yourself is like, is that a historical fact? Can we can we prove the fact that Jesus walked out of the tomb? Is that, you know, a bedtime story that we tell our kids so that they behave well or did this dude from Nazareth actually walk out of the tomb? And if he did,
1: this then, is what we have actually then, then
2: then yeah. this this is our marching <clears throat> orders.
0: And and if you haven't come to faith in that,
2: yeah. Then hopefully um, through this process, maybe you will.
0: Yeah. And so the top of your page and your guides this week says chosen. So we're gonna talk about the blessings for God's chosen, what we who are in Christ get to receive. But but two things first. One, in that long passage, there were a couple of persons made mention of. There was there was God the Father, there was uh, Jesus or Christ or Jesus Christ, and then there was also the Holy Spirit. And I wanna just kinda of give you again a lens as we as we walk through this that the Christian belief is in a triune God. So as Christians, we believe in one God that exists in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And before your head spins off trying to understand that, uh, what I would say is as we look through this text, all you need to think about today is what are each of those distinct persons doing in this passage? Number two, uh, there's a couple words in this passage that um, honestly have, have caused some division in the church over the years. Words like chosen or predestination. Um, and what I would, uh, we'll give you a little bit of background there. One, there are kind of two major groups as we look at this text. Some of you already know what I'm talking about and some of you have no clue. and That is completely <laughs> okay. There are two major groups in the way that they interpret this passage. There are those who believe that God predestined specific people to, to be reconciled to him and to know him through Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. Okay, so they believe that um, God predestined specific persons to be in relationship with Him. And there's a second group. That's, that's kind of the Calvinist or Reformed tradition. There's a second group who believe that God predestined the plan by which people would know or be reconciled to God. Wherever you land between one of those two groups, you need to know this. Both of those groups believe that the only way to be reconciled to God is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Hmm two uh, both of those groups would would have us this morning prioritize both of those groups are Christians by the way <laughs> those are all of those people are believers whether they'll squabble with each other or not um, we need to sit in the reality that the bef- before the beginning of time before the creation of the world at the beginning of eternity God before we fell in sin God had a a plan, God had his son and he said, I'm going to send him that all who believe in him might be reconciled to me. That's what we wanna prioritize as we look at this passage. So let's dive into those blessings starting in verse four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves." So so blessing numero uno, and we're gonna throw these up on the screens. Um, God gives those in Christ adoption as sons. You see that there in verse five, um, but Sam, fill us in, what does it mean to be adopted into the sonship of God? And then what does it really have to do with the holiness and blamelessness that Paul mentions in the verse prior to that?
1: Mm. Yeah, to backtrack one step, what you just talked about, these, for some of us, trigger words, predestined, called, elected, chosen, especially as Americans, we are very interested in our individual ability to choose Hmm. almost anything, really, and Paul is gushing, remember this is one run-on sentence, it's like he takes one deep breath, and he's just gushing to talk all about who God is. And this God who chose didn't choose you to be a robot in his manufacturing plant. He didn't choose you to be a pawn in his chess game. He didn't choose you to come and work in his house as a butler and bring him food when he wants it. Paul says he chose you for adoption as sons. We're talking about identity that's pretty big. Why in the world would he do that? Well, he tells us at the very end of verse 4 that it's in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons. He didn't choose you to bring him food at his table. He has a seat at the table for you. Like that, that is the identity. It says, my, my translation doesn't just say the creation of the world. It says the foundation of the world. So if you're, if you're building a house, you dig a hole, you pour the foundation. You can't build anything without a foundation. And before even the foundation of the world is laid, he chose you to be adopted as his son. Like, that's significant. And truthfully, if, if I look at his, the son of God, Jesus, who is holy and perfect and blameless, and I'm going to be adopted in that family, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to fit in with that. Even if I can believe that I'm chosen to be a son, I'm not going to fit in with that. And we're going to talk about the work of the Spirit in a minute. But he chose you before the foundation of the world to be adopted as his son. He did that in love. And he's going to call you into that reality and each day refine you and conform you into the image of his son, Jesus. If we can get a hold of that identity, I would certainly think that would... Impact the way we live our day to day Mm. now, Mm. not the future culmination of that process. Uh, What do you think?
0: I'm going to toss it to Bert. Avoid your question to make him answer it. (laughs) Ah,
2: I like what you did there. Um, I would just say that, like for me, you know, the weighty stuff you hit. Like, God chose us, but He also He's waiting for us to respond. I know the Calvinists would say, like, you know, your response is already is already written in the in the Lamb's Book of Life. I, I I choose to view it as we're picking teams and I've picked you. Would you like to play with me? Mm. You know, um, now you like to set screens and rebound. So I know you'd like to play with me. You know what I'm saying? But sure. if you need more shots, you might not choose to play on my team. That's but it. Burke thinks I'm uh, bad at basketball uh, is what that no, means. No, 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 You're very good at basketball. It's not the shooting part. <laughs> but um, Ooh, he's right. You know, I, I would say the the identity that comes from being God's son is is first of all, it's life-giving. Like mm-hmm. in a world where um, superstar athletes can't answer the bell because they have such mental health issues. Not, I'm making zero lie of that. You know, CEOs are committing suicide, and um, people that seem to have so much that the world has to offer are miserable and lost and trying to take their life or trying to escape through different forms of addiction I think to myself like the the identification the identity the peace of mind the purpose that comes from being God's son is that's it that's the truest mm. as Kyle said this Sunday that is the truest thing mm. about us um, and you know I, I just love the uh, picture of two things can be true at the same time even though sometimes in our society we don't like to believe that um, And I can, you know, those who know me know I I, I went to Tennessee. I love Tennessee. I'm a Tennessee fan. But if if Jay takes me to Kentucky hoops game, like, I can get into that. Like, wow, these people, they love their hoops. And they do the, what is it, Jay? They do the Y. Like, that's pretty cool. And like, I can, I can, I can hum along to the fight song. Like, I'm a Kentuckian. Mm. I understand that that Kentucky basketball, no offense, UofL fans, is, you know, kind of a big deal in the Commonwealth. I can get into that for a moment, Mm -hmm. right? But really, yeah, I really want to sing Rocky Top and put on orange or whatever. But like when I'm a son of God, when I, that's the truest thing about me, that's what I identify like that really maps or uh, charts my path of what I'm going to invest in, the priorities of my life, the way I view myself and the way I view you hmm. because I believe God's word's true and I believe we're all made in his image and I believe he loves you just like he loves me. And so like for me, that's it. Like, that's the truest thing about me. Yeah. And it doesn't run dry. It's not situational. Hmm. Um, and I think in a world where we're, as men, we're, we're told our culture tells us that we're so many different things. Like, if we don't know what's the truest thing about us, that we've been adopted and chosen as sons, hmm. then, man, it's, it's, it can be a, a, a path that's pretty hard to navigate.
0: Yeah. And J.I. Packer, one of the greater theologians in the last century, has a chapter in his kind of most famous, most known book, and and it is his first lines are, do you know this about yourself? Mm -hmm. If you call yourself a Christian, he says Christians are those who call God Father. And I mean, think about just walking into this room this morning, walking in your meetings later today, interacting with coworkers or family members or roommates. If you are a son of God, what does that mean for you? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you don't need to win affirmation. You're not looking for identity and what you can achieve fiscally or in terms of your own reputation and glory. Mm-hmm. I'm the son of God. Mm-hmm. Not the capital S, but I'm a son of God. And I've got brothers and sisters who are in that family with mm-hmm. me. And we've been all given a collective mission. So what, the first blessing that, that is offered to those in Christ that Paul lists off here is is a Holiness and blamelessness that only comes from being adopted as his son. And so I want to encourage you men, when you go to tables in a little bit, when you walk this week, walk. Not pretending to be something you're not, but ask him to help you walk in confidence as a son of the king of the universe. Let's move on. Verse 7. In him, again, in him. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. Point two, God gives those in in Christ abundant grace. Hmm. So He gives us adoption as sons and He gives us abundant grace. Sam, how does this passage define grace, particularly with those those words redemption and forgiveness there?
1: Well, yeah, the two, at least in English, seem for me to have a ton of overlap. Redemption, Hmm. forgiveness... Uh, but as you already said previously, Paul didn't write in English, he wrote in Greek. And he didn't choose the same Greek word, he chose two different ones. And so if, if you kind of look into the meaning of those, it, it says that there was redemption through the blood. So this uh, word for redemption kind of conveys this idea of like a debt that is paid, or a ransom was paid. So the blood of Jesus served to pay the ransom for us. And it says that we have forgiveness of sins. So that, that word for forgiveness means... Uh, that the debt is forgotten. It's absolved. So a lot of us have at some point or presently had student loans. So imagine if, if the government decided tomorrow to forgive student loans, they would be forgotten. They're gone. No more. What a great gift that would be. I don't know how you would pay for it, but that would be great. That's forgiveness. Redemption would be uh, if Ronnie Cordray, with all of his money, swooped in and said, hey, I'm going to pay off everybody in this room's uh, student loans tomorrow, that both of those would be really good gifts. One is paying the price for what was owed, but one is also that it is forgotten, it's gone. It's no longer in the ledger. And, and that's almost like a holistic view of what's been done for us, that yes, it was paid, but also the guilt and the weight of the sin that we carry is forgotten. That's how David said it, that you've forgiven me not only of my sin, but of the guilt of my sin. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, don't, I don't want to highlight that for a second because, I mean, how many of us, myself included, are, yeah. yeah, I believe Jesus paid for my sins, right? I'm a pastor at a church. I've got to say that, whether you believe that yet in this room or not. Uh, but do I walk in the shame still? Like, I mean, he's forgiven me, but I haven't forgiven me, mm. right? And there's the, Paul is making a distinction. He's highlighting the breadth of, Forgiveness, the breadth of his grace comes through. He redeems it. He pays the price. But he also doesn't hold it against you saying, you know, if Sam bought me lunch and then, you know, for the rest of my life was like, man, that was a pretty good lunch I bought you, right? i be like, chill. Get out of here, right? That'd be annoying. That'd be rude. That's not redeeming forgiveness. Hmm. Uh, but but the Lord pays and forgives in that. Um, and something else I want us to catch in those verses is that God lavishes the riches of his grace on us. God lavishes the riches of his grace on us. So it's, it's comprehensive, as Sam pointed out. It's, it's, there's breadth, it's thoroughgoing. going, but it, he lavishes the riches of his grace on us. And that tells me, tells us a couple things about who God is. One, he's wealthy. He's got riches of grace in the currency of grace and mercy God is a billionaire and remember this is the God that's your father if you're in Christ but not only is he wealthy he he's lavishing his wealth on you he's generous and I think this has corrected my view of God even in the last year I think it's so easy to perceive God, even in Scripture at times. We we postmodern Americans can come to Scripture and be like, Hey, God, maybe were you a little hard on Ananias and Sapphira? Like, were you a little <laughs> tough on these people? Isn't your wrath a little too much? Aren't you kind of over-punishing? But what scripture says over and over and over and over again is that he lavishes his grace. That his grace is abounding and surpassing. That he is, as we'll talk about next week in Ephesians 2, rich in mercy. The Old Testament over and over and over and over again where we tend to be tempted to see the wrathful God says he's merciful. So not only does he have a wealth of mercy and grace to give, he is. It's, It's not just something he holds and has, it is the very nature of his being. Mm. Our God, who is our Father, if we're in Christ, lavishes. And so I think as you, here's where we can apply this. When you sin, not if, but when you blow it, when I blow it, whether big, big, big thing, small, small, small thing, we have a temptation to run a couple of directions. You might know what yours is, you might run away, you might run back to God trying to show him how you've made up for it. What scripture says is that by the time you've turned to him, by the time you've turned around, you'll see that he has been sprinting after you, running after you, throwing mercy, and that he's glad to give it. You can can see throughout this passage that God is doing things according to the pleasure of his will. He delights in giving mercy mercy That's the God that we're talking about for those who are in Christ, who we say is our Father. He loves to forgive. He doesn't love that you have sinned, but that doesn't mean he's holding sin against you in his desire to forgive. He loves to show mercy. So, God delights in adopting us as sons and and in giving us abundant grace for those of us who are in Christ. Uh, Point three, Sam, will you read... Eight B at like, uh, where's that?
1: Maybe verse seven.
0: With all wisdom,
1: can you start there? Uh, I'll do it. I, this Amber, is my fault. Eight it's B. So you have to. He t- Oh, okay. I got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah. In all wisdom <laughs> and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to Him, things in heaven and things on earth.
0: Yeah, so this is point number three. Paul is saying here that God's made known the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Uh, in Christ, we have the knowledge of his will. We know what God's will is. And that doesn't mean like, hey, God, should I get off at this exit and go to the bathroom or should I wait till the next one? He's talking about his big overarching will for the redemption of humanity. He, is, he delights in, again, this is according to his pleasure. He delights in making known to you who his son Jesus is. And that's for His glory. It's not to show off, but He is excited about you knowing that Jesus has come to redeem you, to restore you. He wants you to know Him. I I saved at least a little bit of time for this last point here. So we've got, in Christ, the blessings we receive. Adoption as sons, abundant grace, knowledge of God's will. Verses 11-14 through uh, read this way. In Him we were also chosen... Guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory Point number four, God gives those in Christ the Holy Spirit And there's a, a lot here to, to chew through But Burke, first, what does it mean to be given the Holy Spirit? Is that a little jar of fireflies that I carry with me? What's it mean to be given the Holy Spirit?
2: Um yeah, just back pocket whenever you need it. Yeah,
0: uh, we've got two up here. That's why we're doing so well.
2: <laughs> man, I, I, I would just say, like, to me, man, I don't know if you guys are underliners or note takers or whatever, but that verse 13, um, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this concept of like a seal. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, my my study Bible has a great note on it. I wanted to read you guys. It said, in the ancient world, a seal was used to signify the genuineness of a document. When goods were being transported, a seal identified their owner and protected them from theft. In government, a seal served as an official emblem of state officials. Paul uses seal as a metaphor for the Holy Spirit's supernatural work in a believer's life. It is a sign that we are spiritually genuine and validated as members of God's family. So this idea that that when you believed, you were marked with a seal. Like you have the seal of the Holy Spirit on you. Mm. And you were just talking about like God's character. He lavishes grace. He gives it freely. That's who he is. He, he he's, he's a billionaire in grace. And I was just thinking like, but the beauty of it, the power of it, is that he also offers us the power of the Holy Spirit so that we may, in turn, freely give as we've received. Mm. Like in the power of being able to give grace and being marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit that is so distinct that like I can forgive in a world where we, we like to hold grudges and we're called to get even. And, and if you come at me, I'm going to come at you. It's like, no, those that have been sealed with the, the, the mm. stamp of the Holy Spirit, like your inheritance as a son of God is this gift of the Holy Spirit, and for the exhaustive list, or not the exhaustive list, for a fuller list of the, go to Galatians 5.22, but just this thought of like, freely I've received, freely I will give. When you see that, what do you think? When you see somebody freely give grace, you think, that's distinct, mm. that's different. There's something about that person that he's not offended, but yet he wants to uh, offer grace. Well, the only way, to me, the only way to do that is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And so this distinctness that comes from being sealed with the Spirit, to me, is not what we're, nec- we're, we're called to it, but we're given the power to live in that. And that's yeah. the abundance that I think uh, those that are marked by the Spirit, you can so clearly see it displayed in their life.
0: Yeah. I think about, like, my wife lived in New York City for a couple of years. And I remember she had this capacity to, and, and, you know, maybe she wasn't always right, but I remember lots of times her being confirmed in her guesses. She would interact with people, and New York's more secularized. You've got less Christians walking with the Lord up there, you know, per capita than in a city like ours. And I remember several times she would meet somebody and think, I, I think they're a believer. And it wasn't a dispositional trait. Mm. Something was overflowing out of them because the gift of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is the gift of God living within us. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you can shoot lightning out of your hands. But what it means is you've got the conviction of him. And w- actually, what I kind of want to ask is, what does that mean? Mm. How do you walk with the Holy Spirit? Mm. If I've got the presence of the living God in me, whether I feel that this morning or not, how do I walk in that? What does that look like practically? Because you're right, there's a distinction a distinction. It, it, first Peter says that Christians are, are, are set apart, uh, holiness means to be set apart. We talked about that at the beginning of this passage, that we are sort of aliens pilgriming through this world, and that we're not to seclude ourselves, but we're to stay amongst Christians, or to stay amongst those who don't know the truth in order that we might take the light of the world to them. But how do we walk by the Spirit day by day? I'll let you start, Sam. Well,
1: let me also just pause to say in that verse, it is so practical to the guys in the room who maybe don't identify as being a Christian or a follower, maybe you're on the fence or skeptical, wherever you land I don't want to take for granted that you already believe or have received this stuff, let me just say what the text says plainly, that when you have heard the word of truth and you believed you were sealed so fundamentally in this whole deal Burke laid out at the very beginning the gospel 101, you have heard the presentation of the gospel of Jesus if you believe and receive that, you will be sealed with the Holy Spirit and you are a son of God. You are adopted into his, his family. So for the men in the room who need to hear that, maybe that's something you can unpack at your table with your guys today in the next few minutes to kind of talk through what that looks like for you. Uh, but for the guys who have received that and who believe that they have been sealed, uh, in terms of living that out, I'll say, you know, there's another letter that Paul writes uh, to the church in Rome. And he says in chapter 8 that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So in these abundant blessings we just talked about, that we're welcome to sons, we get the grace of God that never runs out, that that we have knowledge of His will, and that we're sealed with His Holy Spirit. The Spirit encourages us and reminds us day-to-day, moment-by-moment, we are His and if we're his, and he's our dad, and he never runs out of grace, well, I can just keep going to the Mm -hmm. well, and I can keep giving it freely to everybody (coughs) around me, because it's never going to run dry, Mm -hmm. and I need to be in a community of Mm -hmm. guys like this to remind me of that truth, Mm -hmm. because often I lose sight of my identity and what's most true of me, but we come together, and we're reminded of that reality to try to walk in that, and the Spirit himself works in us to remind Mm -hmm. us of that reality moment by moment day by day mm. and the, the spirit the spirit
2: wants a kinship with us we have to connect with the spirit we have to offer the spirit space in our hearts like that's he's he's lord but we we still have to submit to that how to so work yeah for, yeah. yeah for me that's just a daily um confession that you are lord not me because i'm i i'm a. I can be wise in my own eyes and feel like I got the deal figured out, but like I really need the mirror of truth in my life so that I can walk in step with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that confession of Lord, I need you, Lord. I, I I want your wisdom, I want your discernment. Give me eyes for those around me so that they may see you, in a glimpse of you in me, um, for your glory and for their good, mm-hmm. uh, because. Again, this, this idea, this chosenness, like, I believe all have been chosen and, and pray desperately that they would receive that. And, you know, it's like Gandhi said, I love your Christ, but hate your Christians. And it's like, man, like, it, how, how, are, how are those that are lost or those that are denying the fact that they've been chosen, how are they going to choose if we don't give them some sort of glimpse hmm. as to the goodness of our God? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like, am I sealed with that? Yeah. Um, and I, my flesh isn't. <laughs> and so, like, I'm going to blow that consistently if I'm not submitting to the Spirit on a daily basis and praying that God would be made known through, the, through, through words, through actions, through gifts, through time spent, through the use of where he's, what He's called me to each and every day. Um, but it's that holding the hand of the Spirit and the asking for Him to enter in and show me yeah. wisdom in this. Whatever this is. Right. It might be as practical as a third and fourth grade football practice or as deep as a conflict in a relationship that you really want to breathe life into. But like, am, am I am I asking God to, to be Lord or do I really just want a Savior?
0: Yeah, and I think that's you catching the concise... <clears throat> Summary: As Burke's patting his Bible. He's walking by the Spirit by reading His Word every morning. What I know about Chris is he's sitting at the Lord's feet. When he's saying, I'm submitting myself, he's not just walking around open-handed, hoping that God, what he is looking at, what has God said is true about himself, about me, and about what I'm called to. And then in prayer, we walk by the, the Spirit in Scripture, in prayer, and what Sam mentioned, community. And I'll, I'll ask this to kind of sum up here. You mentioned that, you know, Romans 8 says, we're made heirs. This passage itself, you could translate that word chosen in verse 11. In him we were also chosen. You could translate that as in him we were made heirs having been predestined according to the plan uh, <clears throat> of him who works out everything in the conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Hmm. I'm going to run down to 14 here. We're given the Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So the Spirit is kind of working as a down payment on what?
1: Yeah, just a foretaste of what's to come in full, I think. Uh, In the famous love chapter, another letter that Paul wrote to another group of believers, 1 Corinthians 13, he says that presently we see in a mirror dimly, or sometimes it says in a glass darkly, we see in part what one day will be in full. Mm. So we do experience being sons and adopted into the family now but we get a taste of it we get the spirit now but we're not in full consummation one day christ will return all things will be set right forever that sounds to me almost impossible but this is a god who before the foundation of the world chose me so who am i to doubt him yeah. and he puts in spirit in me to remind me to trust in him to believe in him to pursue being more like his son mm. jesus mm and that one day He's going to set all things right, and I will be fully in His presence. His Mm. presence is in me now, but I will be in His presence for all eternity, is Mm. the hope. Yeah,
0: and Romans 5 says this, I want to add to that. Mm. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's, That's the blessing of the Holy Spirit, is we are literally receiving God's love, God's presence, and just a foretaste, a down payment on what is our inheritance, again, as heirs or sons. So, we've talked about this morning, God has, for those of us who are, who are in Christ, who have hey, believed... One second, one second. Oh, I gotta got got say this, okay? Forgive okay. me if I'm on this grace kick too
2: hard today, but the, the, the sermon we had a couple of weeks ago about not being easily offended, I just feel like we're in a period of time, I can get offended real easy with a lot of stuff, uh-huh. and the Holy Spirit is trying to really wake me up to this, and Give grace the way I've received it. And I would just say, if you're struggling with that, whether it's government decisions or whatever, Jesus told the disciples, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you several times in a day, or seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. This whole idea of forgiveness, the apostles directly ask God, increase our faith. Like, I can't do that. I can't, I, no way I could get forgive a dude, seven times or 77 times, right? Mm-hmm. Increase our faith. So I would just say, if you're struggling with something today, man, whether it's pornography or addiction or forgiveness, um, uh, not being easily offended, like pray to the living God who has sealed you with the Holy spirit to increase your faith in that. Mm. Like the apostles were so moved by their lack of faith because they couldn't picture being that easily able to give grace, that their immediate
0: response to Jesus was, increase our faith. Yeah. I think that's important because <clears throat> these, these blessings we're talking about in this passage are not trophies on a sell, shelf. We're not like, ooh, and that's my Son of God trophy. <laughs> I've won that one three years ago. No. <laughs> these are things we walk in, we hold, we keep, we live in light of. And it's a and, process. And we need, to your point, faith. And, and Paul says it right here at the end. We need belief. To do that so ask God for the faith to do so ask him God help me believe and walk in such a way that I know and am am living that you've adopted me as your son Mm. that you've given me grace that is abundant and that I can turn to you in humility each and every day of the week hour of the day minute of the hour every time I turn away from you let me turn back and receive that mercy help me walk in the reality that I have knowledge of your will Mm. that I know that your purpose for the world is redemption and that you want to redeem me and reconcile me to you, but also use me as a, a, a tool in your plan of redemption and the advancing of God's kingdom. And then, God, please give me the faith to help me walk by the Spirit. Submitting to him and his word, listening to him, praying to him, asking him as I make decisions what is godly and what isn't, what is selfless and what isn't, that is, that is the access that God gives us in Christ. Those are the blessings that Paul spews out. He's saying, hey, friends, here's what's readily available to you. All you need to do is believe. If you don't, I'd encourage you, brother, take the time at your table this morning to talk about what it means to believe. If you do, let's cultivate a greater sense of faith amongst one another, linking arms with men as the spirit inside of us, so that we might walk in that, that the world might know who he is. We're going to have discussion questions I'm going to read them real quick, and then we'll pray, and then we'll jump into groups. One, uh, start with this question. Table leaders, you can, you can kick us off. Would you claim to be someone who is in Christ? Why or why not? We, we know what that means now. Would you claim to be somebody who is in Christ? Two, if God delights in adopting you as his son, how does that change the way you specifically live? We can, we can talk in generalities about what that might mean. What's it mean today to walk as a son of the king? Three, uh, do you feel like you've outrun the abundant grace of God? I can tell you, man, I've, I've felt like I've been here. And what, what God calls us to in James 5 is to confess any sins <clears throat> that you think might have run God's mercy bank empty and ask him to show you mercy. And then four, if the Holy Spirit is available to those in Christ, how are you going to walk by the Spirit this week? Let me pray. Father, I thank you For the blessings of the gospel. I thank you that this list is just a a fraction of the good news that we have. That you love us so much that you sent your son. That you might reconcile us and redeem us. That you might adopt us as your son. That our eternal identity comes first and foremost as a beloved son of the creator of the universe. I thank you that you give us abundant grace. That Jesus... humbly and selflessly gave himself paying our debt by his blood in order that each and every time we miss the mark that we can come to you in humility and to your feet and receive your loving grace and restoration. I thank you that you give us knowledge of your will, that that we couldn't have created this big meta narrative of history that you come to us and say, this is what I am doing because this is who I am. I thank you for giving us in Christ your Holy Spirit. I pray that every man in this room this morning would see what it means to walk by the Spirit, would be um, convicted to do so, and that as they do so, that they might see your faithfulness. It's in your Son's name that we pray all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible Teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker Campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description, or find us on social media.